Welcome to In The Loop. I'm, uh, Jesus, I already messed that up. All right. Welcome to In The Loop, a podcast by Civic Duty Rice. I'm Connor. And I'm Jen. Uh, and it's just us two today, but we're still going to try to do our best to give you some good conversation. I think we got a good topic tonight. So first off, do you have any current events you want to go over? So the only thing that we, that I think would be kind of interesting to mention is this sudden spike in the Bitcoin value. Um, last, last, we'll say, certainly before last May, Bitcoin had hit Pretty, a pretty tall high of around 20,000, I think maybe even 22,000. And we saw a lot of people buying into it, blah, 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 blah. And it eventually bubbled in. Over the summer, it was hovering around anywhere from 5,000 uh, upward. But right now, we just hit a large spike and got as high as $10,332 per single Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin is always just kind of an interesting subject to talk about just because it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a fringe topic, but also something that's really bubbling into our culture and you're seeing a lot of large monetary institutions backlashing against it. Uh, I think it certainly poses a threat to the value of the dollar and you know just the global economy in general so it's really interesting to follow it and we can make money off of it because it's pretty volatile stock in a way yeah it will be interesting to see where cryptocurrency goes in the future Mm -hmm. in general but especially bitcoin because that's obviously the most popular cryptocurrency yeah definitely the most popular and another thing that it adds for those who don't know or aren't aware of Bitcoin's power, it adds a sort of anonymity to your purchases. Um, now, it actually can be traced, but I think it's quite, quite difficult. And of course, as citizens, we're definitely tied in with an identity to any elect any electronic purchase we make so just interesting thing to follow but beyond that i think we can move on to our subject for the day sure thing so today our subject we wanted to talk about kind of the voices of the extreme left and the extreme right in this country uh kind of how they're viewed by the media and the public at different points in time and then we'll kind of segue into censorship in america Mm. i believe Mm-hmm. So when we say voices of the extreme far and left, really we're trying to like, that's a very all-encompassing term. There's lots of groups that belong to that, but for the purposes of this podcast, we're probably going to be talking about like the the Proud Boys group for the far right and Antifa for the far left, because those two have been the most prominent in the news in the last couple of years. Definitely, definitely the most prominent. I would say that the mass majority of people wouldn't hear about any other groups and they are certainly, they're certainly polarizing subjects, and everything that you see in the news about them is swinging one way or another. 
one way or another, whether it's far left or far right. Do you think we should give an explanation for people that might not know who they are? Mm -hmm. All right. Do you want to explain the Proud Boys? Sure. So the Proud Boys is a group of, their definition is Western chauvinists, um, who want to embrace Western, a.k.a. American values. Um, that, that and I, an example of that would be some sort of family values, um, a strong sense of nationalism, etc. Uh, many people think that this group is a white power group of some sort, racist, homophobic, all those things. But actually, if you go on their website and look to join, they specifically state they are for all races. All sexual orientations. Um, it's really just a modern fraternity uh, for men, and some some people say for disenfranchised men. But their their definition is a modern, um, respectable uh, fraternity, and it was founded by a guy named Gavin McInnes, and. If you look into it, the Proud Boys were actually started as a joke by Gavin McInnes on a comedian's show. And he was bas Gavin was basically saying, why don't we have fraternities anymore? I'm in your fraternity right now. Fraternity Proud Boys. Gavin McInnes is also a founder of Vice. He is not a part of that anymore, and he's also not a part of the Proud Boys anymore. He wanted he felt that the Proud Boys went to a place that is not what he wanted. Now, if you listen to him speak, you will think, okay, he sounds like a potential Proud Boy candidate, no doubt. But he's not part of that, and he's not part of Vice anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see how they get easily lumped into uh, even more extreme groups like neo-Nazis and KKK. Right, and I think a lot of, I think right now, um, according to some interviews that I've watched, they, original members or like earlier members kind of feel like it is being taken to um, that level or there are a lot more white nationalists, which is not the point of what they were trying to do in their original definition. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a partial reason why Gavin McInnes is not in the group anymore. Yeah. Uh, okay. And for Antifa, they're basically... Uh, Antifa, if you didn't know, stands for anti-fascists. And their whole thing is they are more of a counter-protest group, in my understanding, than an actual activist group. So basically, anytime people gather to promote more conservative ideals or conservative ideas, uh, then a lot of times Antifa will show up to counter-protest, and it can become violent very quickly when they arrive on the scene, because they're known to take it a bit far. They are, yes. Um, basically, it's just anything on the left is good, anything on the right is bad in their eyes. Right. And, you know, there was one very unfortunate event um there was a a journalist i forget 
I think this, I want to say it was in Washington, but I'm not exactly sure. There was a Washington German, State? I believe so. Could have been Portland as well. It could have been Portland. Because too, just, I'm from Portland, of the area around Portland, and I know that Antifa is pretty active around that right. area. To the point where it's made national news, and Trump himself has commented on it. We might get to that a little later. Yes. Um, well, I wanted to see where it was, but anyway, he was just filming, and he's uh, he's considered a conservative journalist. I haven't read anything by him, and he was there's a video of him being attacked by the Antifa members, and. He definitely signals for a surrender, but they just keep going, and he ended up having a brain hemorrhage. And now, of course, he's he's fine. Okay, that's good. He did. It was kind of a, it was intense to watch. Um, and sadly, based on an interview by him, he went to the paramedics, but he couldn't get out of the premise. He couldn't go to the hospital unless he walked like, out of the zone, out of the protest zone, which yeah. he was like, that is not a good idea. Now, why are, why am I specifying him? I'm not. I'm not trying to. I just thought that was one thing that was coming up a lot in my research of violence within protests. His name came up a lot. Gotcha. Um, so I'm sure there are people who have been attacked by far-right people like you know, I can't necessarily say it's like a proud boy attacking somebody in Antifa. Like, I don't think Andy Noah is part of the Proud Boys. Um, but it's really just uh, left versus right, right versus left violence that we're getting at now. Yeah, so taking that and circling back around to the point, wanted to talk about these because when these groups, these the far, uh, far too extreme left and far too extreme right, get involved in a struggle in a protest where it becomes violent then the media goes to town and labels them uh depending on what media source you're looking to one will be like heavily counted as the bad guy and a lot of times that might even be called terrorists because these are political uh messages that these guys are trying to promote and if violence gets involved you might skew the whole using violence to promote a political message that's terrorism to a lot of people and so we wanted to talk about how, like, just kind of the dynamics of that in the media. Yeah. And when or when is it not terrorism? That's, yeah, that's a really important question. And what's interesting is that Antifa was designated as a domestic terrorist group in New Jersey. Really? Um, I believe just New Jersey, which is, you know, interesting. Um and I don't think the Proud Boys were designated as anything. But we're not, maybe not here yet, but a lot of the, well, I guess actually all of it, Twitter removed the Proud Boys from their platform. But that's kind of another topic. Yeah, we'll go into that. Um, but the question of terrorism is really interesting. I don't know if anybody, I, I could personally consider a terrorist group, but rather just extremely violent individuals. Yeah, we're the we wanted 
basically talk about how because these groups are putting a political message, because media sources are so biased a lot of the time now, uh, we see this trend of some, like, people do these things that are objectively, like, not desirable. I don't support Antifa. I don't support people who get violent during protests. But people will take that in the media and they'll escalate it to a point of maybe calling it terrorism to get a reaction from people. Uh, and it's really having this very polarizing effect mm -hmm. because then people I've seen on social media, uh, Antifa does something bad, and then a bunch of people who are sympathetic to conservative causes or are looking for someone to attack on the left will take that, and then they'll be like, this is your voice of the left. You know, they're violent, uh, they're horrible people, how could you support this? And then the same happens to people on the right, where you have neo-Nazis marching in the streets in Charleston, and people will be like, this is horrible, this is who the right supports, and it's not great that that yeah. happens, that people start taking these more extreme groups, and because of the level of violence that they commit, uh, people attribute that to everybody on that 50% that of the country that leans towards that way on the political spectrum. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say in 99.9% .9 of the cases, violence doesn't solve anything. Now, if you want to get into a hypothetical situation and there needs to be some sort of serious coup of some authoritarian government, that might be a different story. Um, but this isn't really the point right now. And I think the violence between the two groups is pretty intense and it's creating a lot of divide in the culture as well and just another thing to point out between them um, I guess you we can say that both are violent to an extent uh, Antifa is designated as a terrorist group Proud Boys are completely censored on Twitter but what's interesting is that Twitter did not take down um, links to the private addresses of ICE agents, which were posted by people in Antifa in a kind of protest to, I don't know, go do something to them. But that that act right there, that's pretty, it's pretty weird, I would say. Or it's very intense. I mean, I don't agree with the I certainly I'm just trying to think of how to put it well I definitely am not a fan of what's going on with with things at the border yeah especially like where they're keeping people all uh -huh. that stuff I am completely against that I'm not a, I'm not for raids either uh, of houses and areas and all that stuff I feel like if you really take a step back and look at it, it is very reminiscent of what was going on with the Nazis. Yeah, okay. World War II. Uh, so we can relate that real quick. We're talking about censorship now. And I want to talk about censorship in addition to media polarization because they go hand in hand a lot. Uh, like portrayals of groups and polarization is more for news medias 
while censorship is largely attributed to social medias. But they go hand in hand because uh, if you are trying to go against another group, uh, then let me think of a good way to say this. I had a pretty good idea in my head before. How I wanted to word this. Okay, yeah, so, like, we can consider, uh, because social, or because news medias will uh, portray certain groups as bad, people will start portraying those same uh, beliefs on social media, and then social media sites, depending on if they have any biases, will might censor certain people or censor certain groups because of them being portrayed as hateful, and they don't want to spout hate. Or on their on their platforms, something like that. That's what they say when people criticize Twitter for blocking people. They'll say it's because they went against our terms of service or something, and they're spouting hateful content. Mm -hmm. Now we can get into a conversation of the First Amendment and freedom of speech. Uh, a lot of people are diehard First Amendmenters. They believe in free speech no matter the cost. So, like, even if these people are spouting hateful language, they have the right to say so. Uh, but then the criticism of that, which we circled back to earlier, is how allowing that speech to continue might further drive the polarization in the country. Uh, because, like, uh, if these groups continue to, like, have a platform, then they're going to be further criticized, they're going to be further put in a bad light by some people, and their words are going to be downplayed by another group, and then it's just going to make it worse you could think. But let's say uh, they do censor it. The criticism against that is they're censoring groups that might have the right to speech, but then the other side of that is uh, in the First Amendment, like certain rights can be taken away if they are to do harm to the public good. Mm -hmm. So that's the example that's used all the time is you do not have the right to yell bomb in an airport or yell fire in a movie theater right. because that might cause mass panic, which has negative effects uh, on the public good. Uh, a historical example is how when America was first founded, you were forced to, there was regulations put on like what you can make your house out of. Uh, because if you made, if everyone decided to make their house out of wood and a fire started, then everyone's house would burn down. So they said, well, you can't do that. And they're like, well, it's my right to choose what I make my house out of. It's like, yeah, but it's not in the interest of the public good. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so what's the point I'm trying to make here? It's a complicated situation. It is. This relationship between, uh, media portrayals of groups, hateful speech, and censorship. It's very interwoven, and there's good sides and bad sides to everything you can do. Absolutely. I mean, do you think... Do you think that there's any bit of information that should be censored? Information? What do you mean by information? Um, like, uh, Do I think that anything should be censored at all? How about, yeah. Do you think anything should be... That's kind of what I meant by information, just like something. 
I think censorship does have a place. I think sometimes it is necessary for that reason. Uh, the problem, like that I was saying before, let's say people are spouting fascist, extremely hateful content completely directed towards another group with the intention of getting other people to commit violence against that group. As an example, that doesn't have a right to be spoken, I don't think, in this country. So, if somebody said, this group is bad, you should all go out and kill them, we should censor that. Yes. I don't think that should be given a platform. But we should not censor just the tweet, for example, this group sucks, and here's why. No. Okay. And, of course, it's all opinion. I mean, Yeah, that's, maybe this some... is my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I wanted to take that first notion somewhere. Take a second to think about it. Um, dang, I can't really think where I wanted to go with it. Hmm. Well, anyway. It's really interesting. I almost, I almost, it's really hard to say, and I'm totally on board with it, but I, oh, I just remembered where I wanted to go with it. Awesome. Okay. So I said, this group sucks. You should all go out and kill them. We would censor that. Uh -huh. Now, it made me think, we have texts aka religious texts, that are saying that same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a little bit off topic, but it's still important. I think it's actually pretty important to talk about when a religious text says, go defeat your enemies. And maybe they don't say exactly who the enemy is, but we all know the like what they're getting at. Yeah. Guarding your enemies, aka not your religious. <laughs> not you. Not you. And we don't censor that. And we're very, uh, I think we're being unrational in that extent. Because I would say if we're allowed to read that and people are allowed to live their life by it, and then we actually see that outcome more than any other thing. Um, then we might need to change some things culturally. Maybe. The interesting thing about that, uh, specifically like the religious text, is that most modern interpretations of religious text, I don't think subscribe to beliefs of... In America. In America. So you're saying, what do you have in mind? when you th Are you thinking like Middle Eastern certainly places? That. Certainly any... Certainly... fundamentalist views, especially of some of Muhammad's preachings or even uh, Old Testament, Old Testament in the Bible. I guess. It's not as much of a problem in America as we just said. So it's not it's like not we really thankfully. have, we don't have sovereignty in other places of the world. We can't really control what they think. But at least in this country, any mention of like acts of violence against other groups for certain reasons are mostly gone unnoticed. Now, there are some exceptions, like 
there are a lot of people who are against homosexuals for religious reasons. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Uh, and certainly, I mean, there are certainly a lot of people that are against atheists who are deeply religious. Right. But especially homosexuals. Yeah. Uh, but at least they don't go, they don't say to commit violence against them. Is, is that my, in my interpretation yeah. correct? Like the people who are against homosexuals, like leaders um, of groups that think I mean, it's that depends a sin. on what group we're talking. Are we talking specifically in America? Okay, well, there, yeah. I know there's some groups like Westboro Baptist Church. Well, yeah, that's one group. But I mean, if you're in an Islamic state, then you have the, and you're homosexual, you, you're potentially going to be killed, and they do. Yes. So that's not in America, though. Um, but we would hope that's not anywhere in the world. And, but unfortunately, that, that doesn't mean I think that we should go into other countries and impose any sort of rule. I think that we have to have this sort of natural flow of events. And who's to say, it's so hard because who's to say that it's our job to go in there and be like, you need to stop yeah. killing these. It's like, well, at the end of the day, it's hard to say. You it's can't a, prove anything. No, it's all relative morality. Right. Even though I, we consider it to be objectively wrong, which I do. And I do too. And I think a lot of people do around the world. I feel like that's a that's a specific portion of the world where it's like that's pretty intense. There are other there's certainly other parts of the world that are doing equally as heinous things. Do not get me wrong. But I'm really inclined to believe that there is a general objective morality. And I read a really good book by Sam Harris called the oh well it's his it's his topic or it's his theory kind of on what is an objective morality and if you don't know who Sam Harris is he's just a very well-known uh neuroscientist um writer he's frequently considered to be what's what's called a new atheist Um, But he's a little bit different from somebody like Richard Dawkins, who's also considered a new atheist, biology guy. Um, He's a little bit different from somebody like Richard Dawkins because he is more able to embrace the spiritual side of things. Anyway, I'm getting off my point. His theory about what an objective morality looks like is basically doing your best slash not detrimenting somebody else somebody Mm -hmm. else's flourishment and i mean that can also be said another way like don't hurt anybody for no reason and i think 99 percent of people would understand that um but okay well yeah i think we can circle this back around to what we were talking about earlier uh if we do believe that there is this objective morality uh, in in our country, when groups do something against that, if they commit violence in any way, I think they should be universally rebuked for that. Yes. Maybe if they're not encouraging violence actively through words, they don't need to be censored. Like if they're just mm-hmm. like giving opinions and they're encouraging people to like think about it, right? Then Definitely. that has a platform. 
that deserves to have a platform. But if they're saying uh, to go out and kill people or to commit violent acts, then that does that should not have a platform because we should all universally recognize that that shouldn't have a platform. Right. Yeah. Uh, killing killing should not have a platform. Yeah, and so violence should not have. Yeah. And unless ah, but unless it's, unless it's justified at some point. How so? My the only example I can get off give off the top of my head is. Imagine we're living our current life right now, but it's like. Well, certainly not as good. How about we're all like starving? There's a totalitarian government. They're taking all the money. Okay, we know this situation. I think that is a point when violence might need to be justified, aka so. Uh, we take up, take up arms and try and establish okay. peace again. That's and a that, super hypothetical. Yeah, situation. and that's interesting because that's the causes of a lot of terrorist groups around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, they do that for, for right. a belief that that it's the only option left. Right. But I just have to say that to be really technical about it. Yeah. So to go back, like that's why it's a problem when these media groups will per, like downplay mm -hmm. uh, the actions of one group and really right. uh, magnify the actions of another group because right. of their bias, is that it doesn't allow us to see this objective like morality on an equal playing field because some people will be like, these guys are horrible. How could you support them? And they're like, they're not as bad as you think they are. What about the group that's on your side? You know? Right. Uh, so we just really need to be careful to recognize how these groups are portrayed, and you need to be able to look at them in a more unbiased light uh, and form your opinions that way. And I'd hope that if they are violent groups that you wouldn't support them. Right. And you probably... Specifically. You might agree with their ideas, but their actions are should not be supported right and you probably also want to take everything that you hear in the media with a grain of salt because a lot of stuff is captured out of context and in context it might have a completely different meaning and i think we see that happening a lot actually um can i share a really funny story sure as long as it's not like too long it's not terribly long so there's a show called Who is America, which I've actually mentioned before, okay, yeah. uh, written and produced by Sasha Baron Cohen. And basically it's him coming up with these um, characters, and he goes into real-world situations, and they film what happens. So in this one, he's an Israeli counter-terrorist soldier, and he's... He wants to battle Antifa. This okay. Is, satire, of course, but yeah. He wants he needs to pick somebody to go on a mission with him to disrupt the Antifa rally in California. Or <laughs> okay. Like that. And so he has three guys, real people, real men, who are super, you know, Republican, you know, country hick type guys. And he makes them go through all this ridiculous training. Um and they believe it's real the whole time. And some of the training is just at, like hilarious. Like they're uh, punching and cursing at a Donald Trump doll. And he's like, you need to be able to lie and show that you are 
part of Antifa because they're going to infiltrate Antifa. Oh, okay, I got you. It's like, <laughs> so they're doing that, which is really funny to watch. Okay, he picks one of them. One wins. He's like, we're going to fly to the Antifa rally, infiltrate Antifa, put these trackers on these people, blah, 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 blah. Wow. So they actually do it. They actually fly to California, share a hotel room together. There's a camera in there. Um, and it's just like really funny communication between them. And Sasha Baron Cohen is like, okay, so tomorrow at the rally, you and I are going to be dressing up as a lesbian couple <laughs> in disguise. <laughs> so they actually get dressed up in like wigs and like skirts and stuff. And Sasha makes the character that he's with, like the Republican guy who's with him, really get into the role as well. And he's got, Sasha has a way of working with people that just like makes them kind of do what he needs them to do. Uh-huh. And so they're like truly acting out as a lesbian couple. And Sasha's like telling him to put these trackers on people and they get like three people tracked. And then they walk away and he's talking about like how bad Antifa is and blah, 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 blah. And he pulls out an iPad and he's like, do you remember the tracker that we put on that one guy? And, he, and the other person is like, yeah. And he's like, it's actually an explosive, and we need to detonate it. Wow, And he okay. shows him the iPad, and he shows the guy walking around. Jesus. And um, he's like, the Republican guy just kind of, he kind of stops for a second, and it's kind of intense. And then he's like, okay, just press the button on the iPad. Just detonate it, and the job will be done. And he puts his finger, like, right on top of it, holds it for a little, like, a second, and then hits it. Oh, my God, <laughs> really? detonate. Yeah, and afterward, he's like, the Republican guy, he's like, I've never, I've never killed anybody before. And he's just standing there. And Sasha's like, great job, great job, this is amazing. Wow. And the guy was like, can we, can we just go? Can I, I need to, like, walk around a bit. And then, um, they leave. Wow. And, the, I mean, it's also funny, because the whole time they're doing that, they're standing in the street still in their costumes oh they do yeah. this and uh okay so we're gonna say that's real because everything in the show is real and i don't have reason to doubt that it isn't um but that's amazing what you can get somebody to do yeah and that is violence and that is terrorism yeah so I, I probably shouldn't have to make this point but i'm gonna do it anyway uh violence is not a good counter to violence Right. If you think a group is being violent, then you can not support them and you can admonish them, but that is no excuse in this country to uh, respond with more violence. Mm-hmm. Like, there are other ways to change a group's mind. Right. I mean, yeah. Usually words, usually words work. You could say that that guy was coerced into doing that, but hmm, I, I would hope that most people would have the fortitude to say no. Yeah. If they were up against whatever group that they hated the most. Yeah. If they really do think that uh, this in, these Antifa members were the blight on the world and they were just going to go and commit so many atrocities and you were doing something morally just, and that just goes to show how rotten it is, again, how things are being portrayed. That, that's right. That's another thing that makes the line even more blurry. Some people truly believe, like with all their heart, 
that something is the way it is, just to generalize it. Some people truly, truly believe that Antifa is, or the other group is, going to take over the government. They're going to lose their life. They're going to lose everything. Like, it's going to be crazy. And then I guess you could, then I guess that's where my point comes in because they're like, we need to overthrow them. Yeah. And then it's like, well, shoot, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a dangerous thing. Right. That's why it's like, it's I, all relative. I just want to finish off by, once again, take everything you hear with a grain of salt, understand the role that censorship can play, but also be mindful that it doesn't go too far. And it has the right to be criticized if censorship does go too far. Uh, there's we, a fine line. And we should never censor comedy. No, don't censor that's comedy. I'm pretty, pretty, that's pretty important. Like but some people would say there's certain comedy that goes too far. I don't know if there's... Again, no comedians are calling for violence. I don't think. Let's say, yeah, let's say they aren't. Anything that's like rude and offensive, it's like, come on. That's the whole point of comedy. So, No, I'd agree with that. Well, I think we've been talking long enough. Uh, feel free to do any other research you want to do in response to anything we've talked about. Uh, if you're curious about anything, please reach out to us. We're on many social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can leave a question in the comments of any place you see our episodes. Uh, but we're really going to be trying to do more engagement with our listeners going into the future. So please let us know what you think if you have something you want us to hear. Uh, and maybe we'll even incorporate it into a future topic. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. Do we finish it off then? Yeah. All right. Just do the tagline. Stay informed, stay connected, stay in the loop. Okay. So this is Connor and I'm Chad. Uh, and we just want you to stay informed, stay connected, and stay in the loop.